Hey, it's Jared here. Like many of you, I've been practicing my social distancing and staying at home over these past few weeks. And one thing I've noticed that I didn't really realize before is exactly what I was eating all the time, right? I would come home from school, you know, quickly eat some small snack, get straight to work. My mom would prepare dinner. I would go not really thinking too much and just eat dinner. When I went out, I kind of just went out with friends wherever the general consensus was and just ordered something that looked good. In general, I'm not a picky eater, so I was just eating whatever there was. But after being home, I've definitely been a little bit more involved in meal prep and have started realizing one thing in specific about what I eat, and that's I eat a lot of meat. And part just that's what's again being cooked and I don't really go out of the way to make something else but we eat a lot of meat at my house and in general even when I'm out alone I eat a lot of meat and that didn't sit right with me but not for like a specific reason just in general it felt kind of off. I had seen reports about various diets because it's not healthy for you to eat all this red meat or you know there's environmental impact to eating a lot of red meat. The thing that continually popped up when I searched what's wrong with eating so much meat is veganism and the idea of going vegan well at first i was taken aback i was like vegan you know i don't want to go vegan that's like some meme that's a, not a real thing um, but that was just a misguided stereotype rather than anything substantiated in fact so we're going to spend the whole episode today with a good friend of mine sophia ziskin who is one of the proudest vegan activists i know and we're going to talk about everything from the facts of veganism and maybe some of the myths that come along with it and possible ways to go vegan and some of the challenges that might exist there. So if this interests you or maybe if it doesn't and you're just a little curious so you can have a proper discussion with your friend who always makes sure to let everyone know that they're vegan, stay tuned. Hey, Sophia. Hi. Welcome to Contested. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm good. How are you? Good. So let me just make sure we all kind of know what veganism is. So if you could sum up in like a few sentences, what is veganism? Totally. So um, veganism is basically the act of not participating in any kind of consumption of animal products. So whether that be no eating animal products, as well as no wearing animal products, just no use of any kind of animal product. So it includes clothes as well? Yes. Awesome. And then that differs than being vegetarian because it includes all animal products, correct? Yes, Opposed to like correct. just meat. Yes, exactly. So I think I, met, I mentioned this in the, the intro of the show, but the first time I had heard of veganism was kind of as a meme, like as a joke, yeah, like, yeah. oh, oh my God, like look at all these vegans. Um, but obviously it's more serious than that. And for someone like you, it's your lifestyle. So yeah. if you could just kind of run through like the basic reasons for why going vegan is like an actual necessity opposed to just some sort of funny joke. Well, I'll start off with saying that I do get a lot of jokes about it. The memes are funny and whatever, but the three main reasons that I went vegan and also that I pose that everyone should go vegan because of. So the first one being health, obviously it has been proven over and over again through documentaries, through books, research, whatever, that animal products are some of the most unhealthy foods to consume. So, I mean, my body is really important to me. And it, this all, me going vegan happened because I just wanted to find the best way of eating for my body. And it just led me to eating a plant-based diet. So I guess the first main reason would be health. 
the second reason would probably be the environment. Obviously, climate change is a threat to humanity right now, and animal agriculture is actually responsible for about 18% of greenhouse gas emissions, and that's more than combined exhaust from all transportation, which is pretty insane. Yeah, wow, that's that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And it also has um, a lot to do with like deforestation, pollution, ocean degradation, and just a ton of other bad stuff like that. So that's the second reason. And then the third reason being the animals. I find that people love to say like, oh, like I'm such an animal person, but I don't know. I just find it hard to call myself an animal person if I'm still consuming some kind of animals. Mm -hmm. And I, I just feel like if you're going to say you're an animal person, you should value all animals' lives the same. And I've also heard the word humane thrown around a lot. So like, oh, like at least the cow was humanely slaughtered. And I have a really hard time understanding that concept because there's no such thing as like humanely killing a being. You know, mm -hmm. killing is killing. And I think there's a misconception that animals are here for us rather than with us. And by going vegan, you're pretty much just rejecting the commodity status of animals. Okay, that's that's great. I think those are three important reasons. And I'll kind of go one by one in the order that you went. So as far as personal health benefits, like I agree with you. I think I eat way too much meat and just animal products in general. And I think that's a very valid point. The one thing though that I do kind of hear a lot, and maybe you can like help dispel this a little bit, is it like, oh, you don't get enough protein or, oh, like you're eating an unbalanced diet, right? Like you're eating a lot more plant-based things that don't fulfill all your basic nutritional needs. How would you kind of answer some of those questions? So that is probably what I get asked the most is how do you get your protein, um, which I totally understand why I get asked that so much. The thing about protein is it is a super misunderstood thing because we're, you know, born and just right off the bat told like, oh, you have to be getting this much protein or it will lead to like this, this, and this. However, there isn't even really a medical term for protein deficiency. It's that rare. Basically, the only way that you can be protein deficient is if you are calorically deficient as well. So if you're not eating enough food, you're going to lack many nutrients, one being protein. And every single plant food has protein in it. So if you're eating an abundance of plants, you're you're pretty much set. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think Americans in general maybe overestimate how much they need to consume of certain yeah. things. And like you can meet the medical necessity. And then I think for me, the environment was like the one thing that really struck me. Because I know you talked about uh, emissions, which like mm -hmm. I did not know it was like that high, higher than like transportation. Oh, yeah. That's absurd. But I think another thing that at least I was intrigued by is like water and the disparities oh. in water usage. Do you have anything on that? I do know that the water usage to pr be producing like all these kinds of animal products is an insane amount of. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I kind of the thing that settles with me a little bit is that it's so far reaching just going vegan. And I think the one thing that maybe you could answer is like a lot of people are like, oh, me as an individual, like me going vegan is not going to stop widespread deforestation. Do you believe if like enough people went vegan that it would start to like tackle some of the really larger scale environmental issues? Uh, 1000%. I live right down the street from just a local grocery store. There's only one of these grocery stores in the world. Um, and like three years ago, I'd walk in and I would look for the almond milk and there would be, you know, like regular cow's milk. And then next to it, there'd be maybe almond milk and soy milk. And that's all. Now I go into the same store and there are 
so many kinds of plant-based milks i cannot even name them all and they're from so many different kinds of weird nuts that you like i would never even think of like <laughs> buying like macadamia nut milk hazelnut milk whatever <laughs> I think it just really goes to show like supply and demand truly is everything, especially in local communities. So I do think that if enough people go vegan, obviously the demand for these animal product foods are going to be shifting and there's going to be a bigger need for alternatives. And that even goes with like clothing. Like there are so many kinds of like faux fur, faux leather nowadays, you know, when I'm shopping as opposed to a few years ago, there were not as many as there are now. Yeah, I guess we, I I mean, I don't really think about it because when you interact with like the market on a day-to-day basis, you don't realize it, but there has been some significant stride already as veganism has taken off in popularity. Yeah. Um, And then for, I think you touched on an interesting point that I maybe hadn't considered as much as like the humaneness of factory farming. And we kind of see this, I think a lot of time with just word usage of humaneness in general, you're like, oh, like how can we humanely kill people for like the death penalty or things like that? Would you mind like elaborating a little bit more on like why killing animals in general is bad opposed to like, oh, why can't we compromise killing them more humanely and giving them space and things of that nature? Totally. So like I said, um, I think there's just this huge like understanding that animals are here for us rather than with us. Um, And I think that like we as humans have completely taken animals for granted and have turned factory farming into something so incredibly inhumane, but the reason we can't see that is because our animal product foods do not look like the animals themselves, right? Like when you're eating a hamburger, you're not you're not looking at it and thinking like, oh, this looks like a cow. You're it's just a hamburger. Um, and I think that we fail to to truly realize that the foods that we are eating were once alive. And I know that sounds, you know, like okay, we get it, whatever, but when cows are being raised, right? they endure so much stress, so much angst, and you are directly eating that. And to me, that's pretty scary. And like, I know it's probably not that scary to a lot of people that are used to eating meat and not really thinking about it. But I just think that the way that humans have turned farming in general and factory farming animal agriculture into this huge mass production and overproduction of foods that aren't even good for us and completely using animals as if they're not, you know, living beings, as if they don't have hearts and brains and families. These creatures are creatures as we are, and we should be living with them, alongside them, helping each other out rather than completely using them and disregarding them as beings in general and eating them. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. And I think a point that maybe should be considered more is this idea of an abstraction between the food in the picture, because I agree with you, like I've seen, you know, videos of like cows being or chickens or any sort of farm animal being put in these extremely confined spaces. And it's just like, you can tell immediately that something is wrong and that they are in distress, right? This doesn't take like a psychologist. But I I do agree with you, right? As a meat eater, when I eat like a cheeseburger, I'm like, "Mm, this is tasting good. Yeah. Um, How would you recommend that people kind of think about that more? Because for you, as someone who is vegan and constantly kind of you know, advocating for a vegan lifestyle, it's more apparent. But like, for an average person, would you recommend like on the outside of every meat package at the market, there's like a picture of a cow or like, what would you like take to try to close that kind of abstraction between what you're eating and the actual animal? As difficult as this sounds, I truly believe that every single person like remotely interested in learning more about their food should do the research on their own before i went completely vegan i did as much research as possible and i watched all the documentaries and 
And I know that's, that's a hard thing to do for a lot of people. Um, but I just, I think that there should be more information about animal foods on national websites, like the American Heart Association, things like that. Because right now, these animal agriculture businesses are paying off these associations to show like in the recipe section, oh, like this is a meal that you can make that will help your health. And a lot of these recipes have animal products in them, which is just like insane. But I do think that there should be some sort of regulation with that because there's proof that the recipes that are on their websites will in fact not help your health. I think little things like that, just like really going in between the lines and just doing your own research and making the research more available. Um, the one thing though that I like personally do share as a concern and I think a bunch of other people specifically people on the left who might be initially sympathetic to like widespread veganism would be like the inability to eat vegan specifically along class lines and also people in like food deserts where they're hardly being able to get like any produce much less enough produce to like sustain a whole diet off it so I guess I have two questions here the first is how do you just generally respond to that and then two is like what do you think could be done, if anything, either from government or like private corporations to try to allow veganism to be more accessible? Um, So to the first point, basically, I am going to be going to college in New York City in the fall. And because of that, budgeting for my food is going to become more intense than it already is right now. And here's the thing, being vegan is expensive, yes, but does it have to be? Absolutely not. If you are going to a restaurant or a grocery store thinking I'm going to get all the fake meats, fake cheeses, whatever, those things are way more expensive. And the most inexpensive foods out there are the vegan staples. They happen to be staples in vegan diets. Things like lentils, oats, potatoes, rice, pasta, beans, all of those things are some of the most inexpensive foods in the world. And they're also super accessible foods, especially if you buy them in bulk. So I would just say starting off like that is probably the best thing to do for your budget and also for your health because those are some of the most healthy foods out there as well. So if you're in like a financial situation where you just aren't able to uh, find like vegan options that are inexpensive, I would say stick to the staples because those are the cheapest. Sorry, what was the second point of that? About like accessibility. So say like take those fake meats and fake cheeses, like do you think that that should be in some way made more accessible and cheaper? I guess like a policy proposal that I have been thinking about recently is acquiring food vendors in city-owned properties and like large private venues, movie theaters, stuff like that to offer at least one vegan meal on menus. Because, you know, a lot of the times people will opt for the veggie burger. People will opt for the vegan option if they see it. And so I think a big part of that is just making sure that it is on the menu and is accessible. Yeah, so hopping off that, because this is a show that is centered around politics and political issues, one thing that I've been intrigued by through just a little bit of my own research and specifically just kind of like pondering debates in general Mm -hmm. has been this idea of government either mandated or supported veganism. So I know one example that I read was a city, I think it was Berkeley, I'm not positive though, so don't quote me on that, said that at all city events, so whether that's like city hall council meetings, you know, neighborhood council meetings, things like that, they would offer meatless slash vegan options. That was, you know, a smaller scale example. But do you think either government events themselves or government should influence other people to have some sort of mandated veganism, like similar to what you just mentioned. Is there anything else that you think should be done on like a law level for that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think a really good idea that I heard recently actually would be like mandated meatless Mondays, which I think is a really cool idea. But also, I think that things like school cafeterias should be offering way more vegan options. Mm, mm-hmm. um, I think airports as well, there should be vegan options at every, you know, terminal that has food vendors. I I just think that like as long as there's options, people will buy them. And the more that that happens, the more options there will be. Yeah, that's fair. Do you think that like speaking here, I guess, for like the ultra meat eater who's just disgusted by a vegan <laughs> lifestyle, how would you respond to someone like that, I guess, who would be like, oh, the, I should be able to eat meat whenever, all day, every day? Sure. <laughs> um, I do get this a lot, actually. So to that, listen, to each their own, do your own thing. But, I, you know, because of climate change and what's going on in the world, I do think that people are going to have to kind of step it up, uh, especially, you know, with their diets, um, because it does have a huge impact on your carbon footprint. And like, you can eat meat whenever you want, you know, feel free. However, I just think that it is a really good thought to have in the back of your mind, like, oh, maybe I should have the veggie burger today, because your meat options will most likely always be here. I mean, you know, for the most part. But if there is an option of a veggie burger, maybe there will be a day when that ultra meat eater will opt for it um, in honor (laughs) of the environment and in honor of the animals and their health. Yeah. Uh, So I think another thing that like, I guess me on a personal level is considering is like an incremental ease into veganism. Would you recommend that as like a strategy? Like, oh, you know, I don't know if I can go vegan immediately right now, but like, hey, I'll cut out meat twice a week, you know, and then, oh, three times a week and then cut out meat and then slowly start cutting out other products like that. So I had kind of a weird experience. I actually went vegan completely overnight and I wouldn't say it was the best decision because it did take me a few months to kind of get the hang of it and actually eat like meals that were you know filling me up um I mean I completely support anyone who is even just cutting out like one animal product a day or like whatever I do think that an incremental way of becoming vegan is probably the best way especially if your body is not used to it but really like I think taking the time to educate yourself while you are consistently cutting out different kinds of animal products is the best way to do it. Awesome. And then like the last thing I'll kind of add, if you want to give like some sort of call to action, if you haven't already is like, what should the average person do? Obviously the answer is like, you know, start eating vegan. But I think the topical nature of COVID-19 is how like people are getting as much like food as possible um, and kind of like hoard shopping. And I talked about that a little on the earlier episode, but like, especially in a time like now, if someone is to say, I want to go vegan, like what is your step number one? Okay. Um, I mean, right now we've kind of got, you know, a good amount of time on our hands and I, I just, I think it's really crazy that people don't really take time to choose what is going in their body. Um, and for me, I've like really put a lot of thought and dedication into everything I eat because I love my body and, you know, I want to be here for a while and I plan to, and that kind of all starts with diet. I think that as long as you are doing your own research and like being intuitive with your eating you should be fine. Um, but in a time like right now with, you know, COVID-19, I think the best thing to do is kind of stick to the stable foods. I know I said this previously, but it really is the easiest thing to do right now. People have been buying in bulk and the things they're buying in bulk 
happen to be like frozen meats and stuff. And I think it should actually be the opposite. It should be, you know, the rice, the grains, canned beans, the lentils, whatever it is. And kind of just like making do with that and, you know, stuff like that. Awesome. Sophia, thank you so much for coming on a contested. And uh, maybe somebody, including myself, will end up going vegan in the not too distant future. (laughs) Heck yeah. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Contested. If you like what you heard, please visit our website at contestedpolitics.com. I want to extend a big thank you to Sophia Ziskin for coming onto the show. Additionally, I'm happy to announce that Contested Politics is now on Spotify. We'll be on other platforms shortly, so stay tuned. In the meanwhile, stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Mm